0: Good morning. Great to see everybody this morning. And uh, good to have Thad back with us. Um, you know, he's definitely been uh, seeing how faithful the Lord is through his recovery, so we're grateful for that. We're grateful also as have Bob Waldrop is going to be speaking to us. And Bob's actually been helping me out a lot, really involved in uh, promoting uh, what I want to talk to you guys about this morning, which is our Connect Conference for 2020. That's what we're calling our mission conference this year. And so it's March 1st through the uh, 14th. And if you look in your bulletins, you'll see that we've got the, uh, the information right there for you. Um, starting off with uh, Josh McDowell is going to be coming to speak on the first. I know a lot of people have been hearing about that, so we're really excited. Josh is going to be talking about uh, the state of the church in America, and uh, especially as it relates to younger people, um, and really challenging us, you know, uh, what we can do to, uh, to try to reverse that trend because the church is in decline, obviously, in America. Uh, we're going to have two services that morning. Doing things a little bit different because of the crowds. We're expecting a lot of people. And so 9 a.m. and then uh, 10.45 a.m. we'll be having a service. And we've got a sign-up sheet uh, on the foyer, in the foyer back there, that you can sign up for whichever service you want. Uh, and you can also go on the website. Uh, there's a link in the website that lets you uh, RSVP and tell how many people and which service you want to attend. And we're asking you all to do that because we need to get an idea of who to expect or how many to expect uh, in each service All right, so we can plan accordingly. Um, a specific uh, prayer request for that day would be good weather uh, because of the parking if we have mud holes out here it's going to be really challenging with that many people uh, to park everybody so if you guys could be praying for good weather on March 1st and then uh, the next weekend March 7th and 8th we're we're having uh, the Connect Concert we're calling it Uh, this was an idea that Kevin Landers had to have a concert and we thought about doing it last November and we said no let's do it during the missions conference and uh, so we're really excited about that We're going to have food trucks out here at 4.30. Um, Never had food trucks either, so we're just doing all kind of crazy things this year. Um, So we're excited. Another specific request for air would be for good weather for that, because the food trucks, we can't pull them in the door. You know, they're going to have to be outside. So so let's pray for good weather that weekend too. But 4.30 to 6.30, we're going to have about 18 to 20 ministries with booths set up all over the place. We'll be a PA system announcing and saying, hey, this is uh, this is Bob, this is Dean, this is, you know, I'm putting a face with ministry. And It'll just be a, a fellowship time, mixing, mingling, uh, just kind of an exposure time for all these different ministries, allowing people to have a chance to get connected. And then at 6.30 we'll start the concert, and it's just going to be a gospel-centered uh, outreach worship concert for you guys. And so you invite your friends to that. And then the next day we'll have some breakout sessions. The next morning uh, we'll have... Uh, about six or seven of those same ministries coming back and being able to expound a little bit on on what their ministries are involved and how you can get them plugged in. And then Jeff Nelson is going to be our main speaker that Sunday at uh, 1045. He's got a lot going on. Exciting things especially with the schools up there in Ponderosa that he wants to talk to us about. And then lastly, March 14th, the next Saturday, we're going to have what we call Connect Day. And we're hoping this is something that's going to carry on. We want to do this you know, semi-annually, quarterly, something like that, where we have these church-wide service days is what it is. We're going to partner with um, with uh, Tracy Hips Christian Service Mission, split into teams and go do some projects around the city. And um, uh, we are doing T-shirts um, that day. Um, they're like $9 a T-shirt. We don't have a sign-up sheet yet, but we're getting one. Um, and we'll need you guys to sign up and say what shirt size. But I want to say this, if you don't have money for a shirt, Uh, You can find out what color they are. I think they're going to be gray. or gray one. If you don't have a gray shirt, you don't have money come anyways. It's not about the T-shirts. We're just trying to, you know, have a little bit of presence about what we're doing um, and and kind of show a little bit of unity. But uh, we want you to sign up and come on and serve. So we're really excited about the conference this year. Uh, Barry told me uh, with Tracy, kids can come to that serve day. Uh, He's got things kids all the way down to to younger kids can, can do. Uh so so you can bring your children as well. Uh okay, I think Thad's gonna come up and, and open us
1: up. Thank you, B. really good to see um, my heart's pretty full today um, I've anticipated this day for a few weeks now and um, you know when you're anticipating a day you kind of put things together in your mind that you want to share and and then the Lord just kind of says well that was your you know that was your track. I've got another track for you. Um, it's really good to see Bob Waldrop here today. Um, reminded me of the fact that um, we're so blessed to have so many men that can fill the pulpit here, at Grace. And I appreciate so much those men that have done that. Um, every one of them I trust because I know they're going to open God's Word. And that's what we do here at Grace. We open God's word. And so I thank you so much for each and every one of you that's done that. Um, And I anticipate that um, mid-February I'll be able to come back up and hopefully um, teach God's word again. Um, The person to thank the most in all this is the Lord. I mean, this, the story I have is longer than um, the service today. And I plan on sharing some of that with you as um, we come mid-February. But um, I have to thank the Lord. Um, he slowed me down for a reason. And I don't know all the reasons yet. I'm still working through that in my mind. Um, so you can pray about that for me. Um, but I want to thank some people today that the Lord used. I thank, I thank the Lord most of all for my wife. You know, when, when you're a pastor's wife, um, you have to be all in. I mean, you can't be halfway in or three quarters in. And my wife has been all in for the last 30 plus years. Yeah. He needs a bigger hand <laughs> if you know me which a lot of you do you're like why how did she take care of him <laughs> she was really glad when she came back around so she could leave um, I have to thank my boys um, Teresa made a comment about the boys that um, was true they had never seen their father down and um, I believe the Lord's used that in my boys' lives in ways that are um, very special to me. My grandkids, um, also, I just want to thank the Lord for my girls. Um, you know, they come through the door, and they just want to hug poppies. And my youngest one is named Janae, and she's so cute. She came in the first, one of the first times to the house, and she said, Poppies. I can't hug you, but you can read to me. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So I got a book that fit both of our levels. We read that. She always just wants to see Poppy's boob. That's what she calls it. Poppy's boob. Obviously, I want to thank the leadership of the church here at Grace. Um, Leadership here is um, very special to me. I've been able to partner with them that's how i view it it's a partnership i've been able to walk alongside of them for almost 24 years and that's a long time and i'm just so thankful that the lord has given us godly leadership here at grace so i want to thank all of you men um for walking alongside of me uh, during this time um I've got a verse that I want to share with you, but I want to share just a little part of the story. When I went into, right before surgery, um, they said, we're going to come get you at 5 in the morning. I'm like, okay. And so they came and got me at 5 in the morning, and they wheeled me to this room, and it was just a holding room for cattle. That's the way I looked at it. And um, there's just monitors, and next, next, here come all these folks, and I was the first one in there. And the anesthesiologist came over to me, and um, he said, uh, Mr. Blunt, tell me your birth date, and I told him, and he said, um, Mr. Blunt, you know what you're having done today? And I said, yeah. He said, um, I have an open heart surgery today. He said, right, you're having four bypasses, is that correct? I said, that's correct. And he looked at me and it was like, you know, one of those times when you're talking to someone, and it's just like, it's almost like he's looking through you. He looked at me and he said, Mr. Blunt, you understand this is major surgery? I said, yeah, I understand it's major surgery. And then he looked at me and he said, you understand what I'm saying to you, Mr. Blunt? I said, yeah, I understand what you're saying to me. You're saying I might not come out of that room. But I got something to say to you. I said, if I don't come out of the room, I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior. So I started out preaching, and Teresa said when I was in ICU, I was preaching to those ladies that were in there. <laughs> she said I was counseling them. I hope I gave them right counsel. Because <laughs> I don't remember a thing I said to them. There's a verse in Philippians... If you'd stand, I'd like to just read this and you can remain standing as we start our worship this morning. Verse 1 of Philippians 1, Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father the lord jesus christ and this is the one that i was thinking of i thank my god in all my remembrance of you and so i'm right there with paul paul was thankful for these believers and i'm thankful for all of you you know i can't thank you enough for the cards and the calls and the text the visits that i've had um, the meals that were brought to me even the fried food. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I'm so thankful for everything that you uh, guys have done for me and walking alongside of me during this time. But I want you to know there's there's one thing that um, the Lord impressed on me was, you know, I'm one person that had some adversity. All of you have it. It just comes in different shapes and sizes sometimes it's physical sometimes it's emotional you know sometimes it's dealing with your children or your grandchildren so we all have issues that we deal with in the christian life and sometimes they're just flat out surprises we're not expecting them but the lord is faithful and he will carry you through and so my encouragement to you is um that we continue to walk alongside each other And pray for each other. And um, when you you have the thought, because this is how the enemy works, when you have the thought, well, this isn't going to mean that much to that person. That's not true. You need to obey the Lord and follow the Spirit's leading. And as God gives you opportunity to minister to somebody, it can just simply be a handshake or a hug you don't have to say anything so I just want to thank you guys Um, you mean more to me than you'll ever know and I really appreciate um, the opportunity to be able to share with you a little bit this morning why don't we uh, have a word of prayer together Lord um We've not come here to praise men. We've come here to praise you. Um, You're the only one, according to the word, that is worthy of praise and honor and glory. Lord, I just want to thank you this morning for forgiveness of sin. Thank you that um, you cast our sins into the depths of the sea to remember them no more. You cast them as far as the east is from the west. We can't thank you enough for forgiveness of sin. We thank you, Lord, for your willingness to go to the cross and to die for our sins. We thank you that the story of the cross doesn't end there. While you did die for our sins, the Bible tells us that you were buried and you rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You are alive. And that's why we're here today. We're here today to worship the living God. Lord, we look around our world and it's a troubling world. There's so many people that are lost and without you. As we have opportunities, Lord Help us to be bold. Help us to walk through those doors of opportunity so that you, Lord, um, would be honored as people come to know you. Um, this morning, I, I want to pray for Bob. got to pray that your spirit would lead him and guide him. I thank you for his ministry um, that you've given him. He's an apologist. That's what he is. And he, um, he defends your truth. Your word, And we need people like that, ministries like that, to help pastors and teachers um, to walk by their side. So I just thank you so much for Bob Waldrop. I pray that your spirit would minister to all of us as we have opportunity um, to open your word this morning. And as we begin, we pray most of all that the Lord Jesus Christ is honored and glorified during this time. And it's in his name we pray all these things. Amen.
0: Let's remain standing, guys. There's a uh, passage in Revelations 4. It starts in verse uh, 9. It says, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their rounds before the the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, and here's the part that I wanted y'all to catch, for you created all things, and by your will, they existed and were created. So we exist because God wills us to exist. He gives life, he gives death, and that's what we want to sing about this morning, so you guys sing with us as we worship the Lord. to the lord about has got to be our salvation right the fact that he sent jesus the fact that his blood was shed for us so let's sing a couple songs about that and i think you know the words (laughs) to these next two so i don't think it'll be that big of an issue guys y'all just sing with us
1: There
2: is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain. Lose all their guilty stings. Lose all their guilty stings. And His plunge beneath that flood, Lose all their guilty stings. to say in a moment in a gold sweetest song I'll sing thy part to Yeah. the uh-huh.
3: Our special speaker this morning is Bob Waldrop, and uh, I've known him a long time, and I asked him this morning uh, what he would have me say about him, and he said, just make sure it's something good. (laughs) Well, I thought, that's the only thing I really know about Bob, good things. I first met him when he was a new staffer at Watchman Fellowship. Um, an apologetic ministry that was here in Birmingham years ago, and I learned that uh, he had given up a career to become a full-time missionary. I thought, well, that's pretty noble. That's more than most of us would do. But um, I found out that there's even more depth to Bob. Uh, Bob's a really intelligent guy, and you're going to learn that in the message that he delivers today. When Watman left town, he established a new ministry, Crosswinds, um, and he told us when he came to visit the elders one day that uh, he foresaw the need to have a ministry that was connected to the media, to the internet, a way to get the gospel message out to a younger generation that did not use the traditional uh, channels. And I thought, do we really need that? Well, boy, he turned out to be a prophet because nowadays young people are connected electronically. And that's what his ministry does. He speaks the language of young people in our culture today. Well, this morning he's going to come and talk to us about a person in the Bible who also had great foresight, Hezekiah.
4: Thank you Steve. Good morning everyone. I didn't realize that this was going to be Thad's first way back so that in itself is a sermon without question but I'm kind of thinking maybe Thad decided he'd better get here and check me out (laughs) so now I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing my brother um, a year ago collapsed at the airport and had to be revived three times in the yard ER for his heart had to have a valve replacement and I noticed that afterwards as he began walking I guess that are walking a lot now but as he began to walk and do what the doctor said I'd be around him, and someone would come up, and they would invariably say, Well, how you feeling? And he would say, Oh, great. And they would say, uh, Well, your color looks real good. I heard this over and over again. He's in a Bible study that I lead, and the guys there will periodically say, You know, your color looks good. And I'm like, Should we not have been saying your color looks bad before? (laughs) I don't know, Thad, have you gotten any of your color looks good yet? Huh? Have you? Yeah, color looks good. Okay, folks, listen. Does, tell me if my color looked bad, all right? Because <laughs> we, we might can kind of forego some of this stuff. we we'll would just start being honest. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here this morning. If you would, turn your Bibles Old Testament, 2 Kings. That's about, if you start over at the left side, you go over about seven books in there, seven or eight. You'll find Second Kings chapter 20. I want to talk a little bit about some life lessons that uh, Hezekiah, the king, learned. And uh, it really kind of ties in with that last song that we sing. You know, we talk about... You can have the world, but give me Jesus. We sing that, but is that really our heart's desire? Is that where people see us in our life? Is it more about us, more about Jesus? Well, look at Hezekiah, 1 Kings (coughs) chapter 20. I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Well, that's just what you want to hear, isn't it? Now, what do you start praying when somebody says that? Thank you, Lord. For this message from the prophet or do you start praying Lord heal me let everybody on Facebook start praying that I get a healing right well that's where most of us are we want Jesus in that dying day but we'd like for that dying day to be extended as long as possible if we're honest right so Hezekiah takes this message and it says Verse 2, then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, remember now O Lord I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in my sight and Hezekiah wept bitterly, Hezekiah said Lord I've been a good guy, you know me, I did what's right, I walked according to your ways. I am Think of if I were walking in your ways more years, what that would do. What's he pleading his case on the basis of? How many of you have prayed this? Lord, if you will just get me out of this situation, I will never, ever do fill in the blank again. How many's ever prayed that? Okay, so there's the honest people. <laughs> Thad, did you see so you know who to work on? Lord, just think what I could do for you, is basically what he said. Remember that. And it came about before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came to him saying. Return to say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. Man. Now, I will add 15 years to your life. How does that sound? Let me tell you what. If you're 100 years old and God says, I'm going to give you 15 more years, you're like, woo! yeah, okay. (laughs) That's good news, (laughs) right? If you're 40, maybe not so much. But it's still 15 years you wouldn't have had. But I wonder what that 14th year was like. What do you think? The 11th month of the 14th year was on Hezekiah's mind. I don't know that I'd really know that. I would just want to stop with return to Hezekiah, my people, and say, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears, I will heal you. That's enough. I don't need to know a time limit. But he gave Hezekiah 15 years for that. Now, <clears throat> that kind of brings up the question if I can work your this here oh yeah how about that I did it Dad. I'm getting better at this (coughs) what would you have done with those 15 years or what have you done with your last 15 years think about it don't share what have you done with the last 15 years would you do if you only had 15? And does it matter? If God said, I'm going to give you 15 more years, what would you do with them? How many of you have a 15-year plan? I don't have one. Okay. But I think if God told me that I had 15 years, I'd come up with a 15-year plan. I'd have some idea. But unfortunately, most of us don't even have a 15-month plan about what we would do as far as our relationship with God. So what would you do? Does it really matter? Uh, that's a question that Hezekiah would have to answer. And we want to look at his answer. But you know how these TV shows and movies are done now where it'll start at the beginning and all of a sudden, you know, helicopter shooting weapons and, you know, chaos is ensuing and you're like, did I miss something? What happened here? And then it'll go 36 hours earlier. Notice that. And it'll take you back, and it'll tell you what happened during those 36 hours, And then you'll get to the story where it actually started. You'll know the background. Well, before we go any further, we need to do that kind of, you know, what what happened earlier. So we need to start at 240 years earlier to find out how Hezekiah got where he is. That's right. We're going to be here all day. I thought about it. I said, you know, maybe I should have started 24 hours earlier, but I chose 240 years. So Lockheed, you with me? Okay. Would you prefer I just summarize it? Okay, well, let's give a quick summary then. Israel was established as a nation under King Saul. After King Saul, David became king, and David's son named Solomon, who became king. In 930 BC, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, became the king of Israel. And there was this other guy named Jeroboam, and he had been kind of a, a popular figure up north of Jerusalem among the tribes there. And he went to Rehoboam, and he said, hey, you know, the people in the north are being mistreated. You're utilizing them almost like slave labor to do stuff. You're not really giving them fair wages. And I just want you to treat us better. And he said, well, that sounds fair. Maybe we can do something. He went to his counselors, and his counselor said, oh, no, you've got to be even harder on them to show them who's the king. He said, okay, that's what I'll do. So he got even harder, and the north rebelled. And they chose their own king, and their king was Jeroboam. So in 930 B.C., Israel split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom called Israel, and the southern kingdom was Judah. And the kings of the north were mostly wicked, and the kings of the south were mostly good and followed after God. Part of the reason for that is because the kings of the south had the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem had the temple. And Jews, to worship God and sacrifice, had to go to the temple. So Jeroboam figured that out early on. He said, you know what? I'll lose the people because they'll keep going to Jerusalem. And therefore, the south will be bigger and better than us because they have the temple. So he started building false places, places of worship for false gods and told the people, you don't have to go to Jerusalem, you can worship here. we got plenty of places to worship, plenty of places to offer sacrifices. And so because of that, they became wicked and evil. All right, everybody with me so far? Now, in 723 B.C., this group of people to the north of Israel... The northern kingdom of Israel called the Assyrians they had gotten pretty powerful and so they came down into Israel and they just took over the northern kingdom and so the northern kingdom no longer existed there was only the southern kingdom and the king of the northern kingdom at the time was Hosea and the king in the south was Hezekiah. Got that? So here's the background. Hezekiah is the last man standing, you might say, of the kingdoms. He's the last king. Israel is no more. And Israel, the nation was a natural buffer between he and the Assyrians. You see that? So now that they're gone, the Assyrians can come straight down into Judah. All right, everybody on top of that? Now you're going, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let's take a look at it. (laughs) All right. Let's go back here and uh, turn back to 2 King chapter 18. Actually, let's go to 2 King 16 first. Let me read real quickly. This is Hezekiah's father. in the 17th year of Pekah the son of Remelah, Ahaz the son of Jotham king of Judah became king. Ahaz was 20 years old. This is chapter 16, verse 2. When he became king, he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of God as his father David had done. Remember I said most of the kings were good in the south? Here's a bad one. He did wicked. Look at verse 3. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel and even made his son pass through fire. That means he sacrificed his son in fire. According to the abomination of the nations whom the Lord had driven out from before the sons of Israel, and he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. That was Hezekiah's death. He was evil, wicked, nothing like, the good kings nothing like David he established false places of worship just like the kings of the north were doing and so the first lesson we can learn is that your past doesn't have to determine your future your past doesn't have to determine or define your future in other words where we come from doesn't mean that's who we'll be think about that for a minute you know I hear people a lot of times say well I'm just a victim of my circumstances you knew what my life was like the reason I'm the way I am today is because of and listen there's absolutely truth (laughs) you know that could be applied to that but you don't have to stay that way (laughs) Hezekiah was raised under a father who was evil and wicked in every way When he took his son to church, he took his son to a false place of worship, in other words. And they offered sacrifices on the high place. That's how he'd been raised. So it would have been very easy for him to become a king who was just like his father. Well, how can I escape it? This is how I was raised. This is what my father taught me. But look over in chapter 18 at what actually happened. Verse 1. Now it came about in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abba, the daughter of Zechariah. And look at verse 3. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Why wasn't he like his father? Why didn't he worship in the places? In fact, look what he did in verse 4. He removed the high places, broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah, the, the false gods, He also, in pieces, the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the sons of Israel burned to it. He undid all the things his father had done. You don't have to let your past define future. You don't have to say, well, that's what my dad was, so that's who I have to be. That's what life was like, so that's what I have to be. Christ has come into our lives that we might be transformed to be made alive to become new creatures, Paul says, in Christ. So don't cling to your past as an excuse for the things that you're doing that God doesn't approve of. Don't worship at false altars because that's what your father did. Let it go. Christ has set you free. Now, if you don't know Christ, there's a solution if you're hanging to your past. Come to know him. And listen, that's easy. It's simple. Just talk to somebody next to you or around you and they can tell you how. So the first thing we learn from Hezekiah, we don't have to be like our father. We don't have to be like our environment of the past. But second, the life of Hezekiah teaches us that we should always cling to God in good and bad times. We'll keep reading. Verse 5 says, chapter 18. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him on all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him, verse 6. For he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded. And the lord was with him wherever he went he prospered i love that picture now i don't know what your translation says i'm ready for the new american standard but it says he clung to the lord he clung to him he had firmly in his grasp but he didn't just clung to him when times got bad You know, a lot of times, that's the only time we reach out and grab the Lord. Most of the time, kind of like, "Uh, okay, God, I I can feel you. I know you're around. Stay right there. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. That's that's, that's close enough. Right there. Just want to every once in a while reach out and touch, make sure you're there. And then when times get bad, what do we do? God, help me. (laughs) Rescue me. Do something. But it says "Has a to the Lord all the time. God is not just there for us in the bad times. He's good for us. In, he's there for us in the good times. We quote Romans 8, 28 to people all the time. Right? God works all things to his will, to good, of those that love him and are called according to his name. All things. But when's the only time we quote that verse to somebody? When they're going through that situation, something bad happens. God works good, all things to good, for those that love him. How about this? Man, I just got a huge raise at work. Man, brother, God works all things to good for those that love him. Who calls that? God's at work in the good things. God's at work in the bad things. But too often, you can have the world when it's bad, just me, Jesus. But when it's good, I might have me a little bit of that world. Amen? Is that true or not? Not in your life. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about other Christians. I'm talking about other churches. Now, can you say amen to it? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Thought you were talking about us. <laughs> Couldn't identify with it. Third thing. We can't always fix it on our own. Now here Hezekiah is, he's he's leading a good life, he's bringing to the Lord. Verse 13 of chapter 18 says, Now in the fourteenth year of king Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and Caesar. Remember I told you they don't have a buffer now with Israel. So the Assyrians say, hey, we can move into Judah. So he moves into the, crosses over the boundary, takes the fortified cities. And Hezekiah, verse 14, king of Judah sent to the king of Assyria saying, I've done wrong. Withdraw from me whatever you impose on me, I will bear. So the king of Assyria required of Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Hezekiah says, "Uh uh-oh, we in trouble. Get a message up there and tell the king of Assyria, I'm sorry. Obviously, I've offended you in some way. What will it take to correct us? And the king of Assyria said, it'll take this much money to do it. Now, is not perfect because he falls into a way of thinking that we all often fall into. We try to work things out on our own apart from God. You know, I'm not saying he shouldn't have paid the money, But it should have been God saying, do this, offer money and pay it off, and that'll resolve it. Instead, he does a step out. He says, I'll try to figure it out. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'll be confronted with a problem, and I find myself doing everything possible to try to fix it. And then once I fail at all of them, I'll say, Lord, help me. (laughs) You know? Why don't I go to God first? You know? Why don't I go and say, hey God, would you like me to pay this money to him? Would that be a solution? I know you've gifted me. You've given me abilities. You've given me the funds. Actually, he hadn't given him the funds. Look what happened. <clears throat> it says in verse 10, Hezekiah gave him all the silver which was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king. And at that time, verse 16, Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord from the doorpost which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid. And gave it to the king of Assyria. The temple, if you go back and read in the old uh, uh, about through Exodus, Numbers, and uh, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, you'll see a different picture of this. When you see the building of the temple, it was inlaid with gold and silver. If you go back and read about Solomon being king, he had so much gold and silver He couldn't find enough uses for it. That's how much he had. Can you imagine that? And so they just plastered it all in the temple. (laughs) It was everywhere. And every time the kings of Judah would get in trouble, you know what they'd do if they needed money? They'd go peel some off the temple. You know, Hezekiah does the same thing. In a way, it's almost desecrating the temple in order to make sure that you resolve this problem. So Hezekiah, you know, he, he was trying to do it on his own. And, and I'll, I'll tell you about the next section. I'll summarize it for you. So after he pays off, the king of Assyria says, hey, I got this guy under control. So he sends some of his top dogs to Jerusalem, and Hezekiah sends his top dogs out to meet with them. And they're out in the city talking, and the Syrians are yelling, Hey! King says, we're going to come down here and up on you. Take everything. You might as well go ahead and surrender. And don't give me this, your God will take care of you, because it must be your God's team, because we're winning. So your God must be on our team. so don't give us that and by the way just cast your eyes to the east at all the nations we've conquered and all their gods we've destroyed we'll destroy your God in the same way now Hezekiah's people said hey let's meet each other in Aramean alright and it says because the people didn't understand the language and he said that way (laughs) you know it'll just be us talking but he said no the people need to hear this so what do you think the people are thinking about their king Hezekiah right now? What's his reputation like? That paying them off didn't work did it? So all this trouble it has come upon him. So turn over to chapter 19 and let's look at what Hezekiah is real quick. Verse 1. When King Hezekiah heard it, what was happening out in the, the city, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, the Shebna the scribe, the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day a day of distress, rebuke and rejection for children, have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, that's the Assyrian, whom the master of the king of Assyria sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. Why did he do that to begin with? (laughs) When they first came, Why, instead of saying, I've done wrong, what can we do to make it right? Why didn't he gather his men and say, go to Isaiah the prophet. Let's get a word from God about this. He didn't for the very same reason we're talking about. We often think we can just take care of it on our own. God-sized problems can only be resolved by God. I cannot resolve your or my God-sized problem. God may use me, God may use you, but he has to be at the very essence and center of it. So, he goes, and verse 5 says, "...the servants of the king came to Isaiah. Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard." With which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. I love that. because it ain't about you. It's about me. It's always been about me. You're the king, but they're saying that they can defeat me. So he says, tell him, verse 7, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor, return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword of his land. So this is brought back to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah says, verse 19, And now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that I'm the greatest king that ever lived. Just see if you're paying attention. Is that what he prayed? He said, Lord, I had it all wrong." It's about you. Show you're strong, so that what you do in my life, what you do in the life of your people, will not lift us up, but will exalt you. Hezekiah learned we can't always fix it on our own. If the plan doesn't work doesn't mean God won't help. Don't give up. Don't quit. Go to God and pray. What happened to those Assyrians? Look at verse 35. Then it happened at night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. God delivered. And it says, So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed, returned to home, and lived at Nineveh. And it came about as he was worshiping the house of Nisroch, his God, that his own men came and killed him with a sword and escaped into the land of Ararat. God said, now that you've prayed, I'll take care of it. I'll deliver. So don't let our times that we fail keep us from going to God. Which leads us to our last point. It's not just about me even when I think it is. Your life is not just about you and my life is not just about me. My life is about others as well and what can be done in their lives. What would you do if you only had 15 years? Does it really matter? Now, that we covered that 260 years. Let's see how Hezekiah answered the question. How do you think he did? Hezekiah, it turns out, wasted those years. Does that surprise you? After how he had begun... He had gotten to his deathbed he had called upon the Lord and God gave him 15 years and he squandered those 15 years why do you think he would do that think about our own life as we get older or those around us I remember when I was probably, I don't know, maybe 40, or so, I had an uncle who was an extremely godly man, leading a church, hard worker. Many people counted upon him. I looked up to him, and I remember one day standing in the back of the church in what we called the vestibule, And my uncle was beside me, and I noticed he wasn't doing as much as he used to, and I asked him about it, and I'll never forget his answer. He said, well, it's time for these young people to take over. He could've had 15 years, he could've had 30 years left, who knows how many more years he had to serve. He didn't, I didn't, but he checked out. I've worked hard, and he had. I've served my time, and he had, but now it's gonna be more about who? Me. You ever, and don't raise your hand, but you ever thought that, you ever said it? Some people check out when they're 30. <laughs> I've just done too much. I need to spend some time on myself. I'm not saying we don't need to spend time on ourselves. But I can tell you, I can stand here today and honestly say with all of my heart, when people say, Bob, when are you going to retire? I say, I don't see myself ever retiring. I can't even imagine not doing what I do. I love it too much. It's too rewarding. I pray that God would use me as long as he gives me breath. And if you ever hear me say I'm retiring, please remind me of that. Just say, oh, you're going to be a Hezekiah? (laughs) Hezekiah saw the, the need to basically retire look at chapter 20 right after god had told him i'll give you 15 years it says some babylonians came and visited now this is a kingdom in the south that was rising and getting stronger they're going to come up and eventually take over uh, judah but it says that uh, these people uh, came about and they said Hezekiah, verse 2, it says, He sent messengers to the city of Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus has been Hadad, your silver and your gold, or, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong chapter, chapter 21. Or 20, no, 20, I'm about, yeah, verse 12. Uh, Hold on, folks. I, I got a place. I think I wrote the wrong verses down right here. So let me find them. Yeah, verse chapter 21. of uh, second. Oh, I can fix this. I was at my, the breeze blew my Bible over to first Kings. <laughs> That's why I'm looking to say, this doesn't, this doesn't fit. <laughs> you need to get this air conditioning fixed. All right, so doesn't blow right here all right so let's go over to let me get back in a second kings where you folks are uh pick this story up verse 12 of chapter 20 says uh at that time the king of babylon sent some folks and uh verse 13 says hezekiah listened to them and showed them all his treasure house the silver and the gold and spices and precious oil of the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasure there was nothing in his house Nor his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Here's some emissaries from a land he doesn't know anything about, and they come right after he's been given 15 years, and they said, "Hey, we just visited, checking in. We'll drop by and say hey." And he says, "Let me show you all my stuff." And he takes them on a tour, and he basically says, "Hey, if you'd like to rob me of this silver, this is how much I have." And if you'd like to get all my gold, I got this much. It's foolish. Why would he do that? Showing off. Showing off. God just gave me 15 years. And look at all the stuff I got that I can enjoy during that 15 years. So as a, uh, Isaiah, here's what he, has, what he did. In verse 15, he, it says... Now, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah said, They've seen all this in my house. There's nothing among my treasure. I've not shown them. And Isaiah said to Hezekiah, verse 16, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming. With all that is in your house, and all that your fathers have laid up and stored this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will issue from you shall be taken away, and they shall become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Daniel. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, Listen, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Good? What is good about, hey, somebody's gonna come and rob everything and take everything you have. Lock your children up. He says it's good. For he thought, is it not true if there shall be peace and truth in my day? He said, it's good because it ain't going to affect me. i got 15 years. I don't have to worry that they're going to conquer me. It's going to happen to other people, not me. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Well, it's just not affecting me. I'm okay with that. Oh, my Lord. You would never hear Christians talk that way, would you? Well, that's just those people over there. At least it's not affecting us. We're okay. You know, we ought to help those people over there. Well, they should have took care of themselves, like we're doing. Not your church. I'm talking about other churches now other Christians Hezekiah got so focused on self that he didn't recognize what was really being said here he was only listening to the message that pertained to who? himself now let me me get this straight you're saying I'm going to be okay yeah that's all I need to hear that's all I need to know Hezekiah squandered these last 15 years. Let me tell you one other thing that he did. I want to read you about his son. Look at chapter 21. Manasseh was 12 years old and became king. And he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah, as Ahab king of Israel had done, and worshipped all those of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I will my name. For he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts house of the Lord. In other words, he built altars for idols in the temple. Verse 6. And he he made his sons pass through fire, sacrificed them, practiced witchcraft, used divination, dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Hezekiah did not build a legacy he didn't invest those last 15 years in the lives of his children in the lives of his son and so because of that Manasseh will reign 55 years his son another two years so for 57 years the temple will be desecrated. the people will turn away from God worship false gods And his great-grandson will become king, Josiah, one of the goodest kings there was, the best that there was. But he had to undo 57 years of waste. Are 15 years important? You better believe it. So what would you do if you only had 15 years? What if you only had 15 months? What if we were just talking about the next 15 hours? What about 15 minutes? What about 15 seconds? The 15 seconds that you have when you make a decision whether you will share the gospel with them one or you'll walk away from them i'm not here to make you feel bad hope you don't i'm just here to say let's not be like hezekiah let's realize that our lives are important how we live them is important you can have all the world the good and the bad if it keeps me from jesus I come to my dying breath and give me Jesus let's pray Father thank you for your word I pray that I haven't been in the way of it but that the Holy Spirit has spoken to the heart of each person to me concerning the need that we have and Father make us like Hezekiah before he got 15 years and let us not be like the hezekiah who got the 15 years teach us to walk faithfully in all ways thank you for this church thank you for their pastor uh, being with them today i pray that you would use them as you already have as a lighthouse not only this community but to all the world for we pray this in christ's name amen
0: Let's all stand again, guys, as close out our service by singing good grace.
2: People come together, Strangest me Children, generations, every nation, kingdom come. Don't let your heart be troubled. on this one too, His love always will carry you through. Take courage, hold on, be strong, remember where help comes from. Oh, oh.
0: so grateful, Lord, that you are a redemption. We do pray this morning, Lord, that your kingdom would come, Lord, and that you would just work in our hearts to help us to be willing to be used by you. Um, as Bob was talking, Lord, 15 seconds, 15 hours, 15 minutes, Lord, 15 years, okay. help us, Lord, to live as the song, the old hymn says, Lord, just minute by minute, clinging to, relying on you. In every, in every way, Lord, in the good times, the bad times, whether we're going through heart surgery, Lord, or, or whether we've just gotten raised, whatever, whatever the situation is, Lord. Uh, help us to know that, uh, as Bob said, everything comes from you, Lord, meant to make us more like your precious son, Jesus, who we just sang about. So go with us today um, as we go our separate ways and help us to have a good week of walking with you. In your name we pray, amen. You're dismissed, guys.